Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Dr. Kino's Film Emporium. This week we have the amazing Daisy Steinhardt from the amazing 20th Century Flicks, which, in case if you didn't know it, even if you're not from Bristol, is one of probably the best um, film and video shops in the world. And that's not something I would apologise for, and nor should I, because it is truly incredible. They have an amazing range of films and titles. And Daisy is one of the uh, members of staff there, so she knows her way around film libraries. So very interested to hear what she has to say this week and what film she's chosen. So, yep, she's coming down the road now. Uh, yep, here she comes into the Emporium. Welcome, Daisy. Hello, thanks Hello. for having me. You're most welcome. Thank you so much for coming. So, um, please take a seat in our elegant uh, leather wingback chairs. So, thank just... Thank you very much. Um, it's a comfy. Oh, yep. There's some interesting looking film under your. Yep, you're putting it on the table. Fantastic. Ah, right. I think I recognise it vaguely. So, very briefly, tell us about the film that you've brought to us and, and that we're going to talk about. So, the film that I've brought along is called Dougal and the Blue Cat, and it's a 1972 film that was. It's a magic roundabout film. So, the magic roundabout was a series of five minute animated um, shorts about. Um, a load of animals that live in a place called the Magic Garden. They're originally in French, and then Eric Thompson, father of Emma Thompson, um, made them. He just uh, put like his own audio over them without listening to the originals. And Dougal and the Blue Cat is a feature-length version of that. So it's about Dougal, the dog, and Brian, the snail, and Zebedee, the spring. For some reason, there's a magic spring in it. Don't have to ask why. And... <laughs> They so, just kind of do their thing for just under an hour and a half, and it is brilliant. Excellent. It sounds pretty surreal. I, mem I remember re um, watching the as a child in the seventies because I am a child of the seventies, and it was it was wonderful. It was um, one of the I think one of the classic uh, children's television from that period. And it, as you said, it is. Uh, there's some crazy stuff in there. There's uh, Tree the cow as well, and oh yeah, there's Florence, yeah. and yeah, there's all sorts of bizarre characters. So, fantastic. We'll talk, get into that a bit more depth later. Daisy, what's your situation at the moment? My situation? Yeah, and what, what are you up to at the moment? I'm doing sort of two things. I work at 20th Century Flicks, as you mentioned earlier, uh, which is a really great job to have. I've worked there for um, like two, two and a half, three years, I think. I can't remember exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, I'm very lucky with that, uh, especially because... Um, when everything was more locked down, I was able to go and watch films in the cinema there, which is really nice. Um, and as well as that, I have become a film student Good on at you. UWE. A fine life choice indeed, being a film student. So excellent. Yes. And that's at UWE, which is the University of the West of England, which is the uh, the other place, isn't it, in uh, Bristol, apart from university? It is the Bristol, other place. The other place. Yeah, apparently yes. there's some rivalry between uh, Bristol Uni and UWE, but I haven't got to experience any of that because I haven't actually met anyone because of the pandemic. No, and you're in the unenviable position of being the sort of the um, COVID generation of university students that... Um, I am, yeah. Yes, which is, must be yeah. very strange. Yes, so I huge sympathies for you. And uh, yes, it's a, it's a weird situation and just a, a bit of a messed up year, I think, which we could probably mm. all agree on. So let's get into a little bit of a biography about Daisy. Uh, this is a question I always ask um, anyone that comes on into the Emporium. And it's always revealing, I think, because uh, sometimes it's not, the answer is not what you expect. But what was the first film that you remember seeing at the cinema, the very first film? Well, um, the first film that I saw at the cinema was March of the Penguins, which was in, I think, I think it was 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, I vaguely remember going to see it, 
but I don't know. I think it's been replaced by future cinema trips in my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't have a huge amount to say about that, except it's, I don't know, I think it's quite a cool first film to have seen in the cinema. Definitely. Do you remember the actual, the sort of anticipation, the kind of smell of the cinema as you went in? Was it quite exciting? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I've always liked cinemas. um, I think the first cinema I went to was, um, I think it was the Curzon in Clevedon. Yes, which is um, an amazing cinema. It's, they've uh, have been mm. backstage there. Yeah, yeah, that's quite famous in for Cleveland. I haven't been there for a long time. No, but no. yeah, no, I used to love it there. Yeah, and I'm sure I will again cinema. when I'm able to go. Absolutely, and uh, yes, let's hope that day isn't too far away. Mm. So with um, March the Penguins, so the it didn't light the fire under you, but clearly a, a film must have lit some kind of fire under you. Do you remember which film that was and why? Yeah, so that one was actually a lot more recent, which was a film I saw in I think I think it was two thousand I think it's two thousand sixteen, maybe, so it's only about four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um it was a film called Anomalisa, which is a Charlie Kaufman film. Yes, indeed. And I think it was the first it was definitely the first art house film I'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I think it was one of the first films that I'd ever actually sort of engaged with in the oh I I actually like this um mm-hmm. there's more to films than the kind of just quite I don't want to say bad because they're not bad and no film is bad but just like very blockbustery action mm. type films which I had no interest in but that was kind of the only thing I've been exposed to other than children's films sure so seeing this like horribly bleak look at the human condition <laughs> um done through 3d printed puppets um yeah. it was just a bit of an eye-opener for me because i went home and i thought i feel really sad now i don't know why yeah. film's never really done that to me before yes um, the, the awesome power of affect yeah, mm. yeah. i mean last week's yeah. um guest michael coven he, for his film he was um it was halloween the original from 1978 and he said he was it affected him so much he was actually curled up in the fetal position terrified in a cinema oh. <laughs> to, to the point where people were actually kid are you okay and it was like yeah 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 uh, shut up I want to keep watching even though he's terrified <laughs> so yeah film has got this incredible ability to to move us and to scare us and to you know to mm. make us sad or inspire us wonderful so and normally I haven't seen it but I have seen a lot of other oh, no, I definitely films. recommend that excellent we'll take that away fantastic so Daisy you've our work at 20th Century Flicks, and for the people that don't know about 20th Century Flicks, it's a bit of a Bristol film legend, isn't it? It's a bit of a legendary place. Yeah, tell us more about it. So 20th Century Flicks is Bristol's only uh, DVD rental shop, which has outlived Blockbuster, and, I mean, basically all the other video rental shops, apart from there's a couple more scattered around the country. Um, So we rent DVDs and Blu-rays and the occasional VHS, but not so many of them um and we've got two cinemas that we hire out so in normal non-pandemic times that one seats 18 and the other seats 11 but at the moment they both seat six because of government regulations mm-hmm. and yeah it's a really great place to work it's very quite sure how best to describe a very very independent <laughs> <laughs> it's quite unique isn't it <laughs> and which is really nice um we got fish as well they're called mark oh, and jeremy from peep show Fantastic. So, and um, how many titles have you got? It's, it's quite a few. It's like in the it's sort of five figures, isn't it? You've got so many different titles to choose from. Uh, yeah, at the moment, I think, I think last time I'm not actually there at the moment, or I check, but I think last time I counted, it was not that I count. It sounds like I go through counting them each time I'm in, which I don't. But I think we're up to twenty thousand seven hundred and six, possibly. 
that's pretty precise and very impressed. Yeah. Okay. So if you can't yeah, get it, yeah, nice. I think flicks, it's right unless a couple more have come in. It could, yes, it, there's films being produced all the time, I guess. So, yeah, and it's uh, yeah, it's on Christmas Steps in Bristol. So shameless plug for 20th Century Flicks. I have no problem with that. And yeah, the Doctor Kino has has had a number of uh, titles out from you uh, over the years, to say the least. So, um, you mentioned as well previously about um, about you're starting to discover um, directors and your taste in films. What tell me about more about the directors you're, you're coming across? Because you mentioned about Lars von Trier, when we had a chat earlier. So, yes. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I do like Lars von Trier. Um, I like his his just complete contempt for humanity I found it strangely comforting mm. during lockdown I watched quite a lot of his films um particularly melancholia um that's that's very apt I think for Indeed. this time yes it's a coming end of the world is coming isn't um, it? And Kirsten Dunst is uh yeah it sort of it pans right up to her Sorry? face at one point um the end of the world is coming isn't it in the, within the film there's a sense of impending doom yeah yeah so it's yeah it's as you say very apt for the time um what other films have you seen by him i can't really hear you, you keep cutting out sorry daisy okay yeah what other films have you heard have you um seen I by think lars I can von trier what other films have you heard from uh, sorry um, what other films what other have films you films have... yeah with lars von trier basically uh, lars von trier films Hello, it Daisy. keeps cutting out whenever you try and say, it cuts out whenever you try and say Lars von Trier, and I don't know why. <laughs> okay, what other films have you seen by him? <laughs> no, is um, it not working? I've seen, um, no, it, I can hear that. I think it just oh, doesn't great. like Lars von Trier, maybe. <laughs> That's, yep, yeah, a lot of people don't like That's Lars That's really, von really Trier. strange. Okay. <laughs> so Lars von Trier, it's the curse of von Trier has struck Dr. Kino. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, it did it again. <laughs> Oh no! Right. Well, let's move on to another director before we um, get uh, before we get totally shut down. Yeah, I really liked. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really liked um, Dancer in the Dark, mm-hmm. um, and what was the other one that I've seen? I saw a few. I wasn't so keen on Antichrist. Mm. Oh I just yeah. Thought it was. He's clearly been really hurt by a woman at some point. Mm. Tough for you. Yeah. Yes. It's. Uh, he's. Uh, he's been. Did you actually of... ask me about Lars von Trier? I, I did, think... yes. I'm just yeah. Okay, good. I was just checking. Absolutely. No, I think there's a. I mean, he's been accused of being misogynistic, which I think is uh, is fair criticism. Um, an amazing filmmaker, but I think a deeply, deeply troubled man. Yes, definitely troubled. So, any other directors, Daisy? Who else? Who else has uh, has, has piqued your interest? Uh, there have been a few. I just remembered that I really like Yorgos Lanthimos. Mm, Yep. So before the favourite, there was um, was um, uh, the lobster film, wasn't there? There's the um, lobster, Dogtooth. Yes. um, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Mm, I wasn't so keen on lobster. I really like Killing of a Sacred Deer and Dogtooth, though. Okay. Um, It's just something really, really unsettling about his films. I think this this is the kind of film that I seem to go for most, just ones that make me feel a bit un sort of yeah. unnerved a little bit disturbed but in a good way yeah 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 well, just his his characters especially whenever colin farrell's in one of his films it just mm. they it just speaks in this weird flat monotonous voice without with sort of weird gaps between his words and no emotion which makes for a slightly difficult to watch film but yeah, yeah. get a lot out of that Good. He's got. I mean, he's got Colin Farrell. He's also got um, Rachel Weisz 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, she's a bit of a, she's one of his um, regular uh, actors that he works with. So for, yeah, a tremendous actor in her own right, as well as the yeah, no, she's great with Yorgos. So uh, played Sarah Churchill, obviously in in the favourite. Yeah, anyone else? Anyone sort of classic like Scorsese or Coppola or Lynch? I mean, I do like David Lynch. I've had to like David. I mean, I've had to like him just because of the shop that I work in. I was going to say, they probably it's wouldn't sort of give you a job if you didn't like him. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do. Yeah, I do like him. I'm just trying to think about other classic directors that I like. I haven't seen as much Agnes Varda as I would like to, but I really yeah. like the films of hers that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked, I saw a couple of Ida Lupino films. Ah, yes. Um, over lockdown as well, because they were on Mubi. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they were great. Especially because she was like, you know, female director in yes, the 50s, which is pretty absolutely not unheard of, but rare. Not unheard definitely. of, but rare. Yeah, definitely mm. rare. So, yeah, and, and a fine comedian as well, I think, because she wasn't just in behind the camera. I think she she was a, an actor as well, um, I believe. So Yeah, yeah, no, she was. Yeah. Yeah, there's, um, again, there's there were female directors around, but it was, they were rare enough to be sort of commented on, which obviously is... Uh, Yes, it's going some way to being put right these days, although still it's a very overwhelmingly dominated by men uh, in Hollywood. Yeah, definitely. Certainly classic Hollywood, yeah. Well, it's, uh, hopefully in with your generation, some of you are going to be into filmmakers and make your own films, and that's happening already. So um, some a film which I'm really, which I'm really looking forward to seeing was Saint, is St. Maud. Which oh, is, me too, yeah. yeah. Which will be amazing, I think. It's just, from, reading from the reviews, it looks really interesting. And again... Two, the relationship between two women and it's written and directed by a woman in a debut as well, which, yeah, it's uh, it sounds incredible. So especially getting towards Halloween as well. So, oh, I love Halloween. Yeah, it's a good time of year. It's that dark. Yeah, that's that. Uh, yeah, that's sort of cozying up with a decent, uh, a decent frightening film. And yes, All Saints Eve, or how sorry, All Hallows Eve. Daisy, moving on. Um, yes. Dougal and the Blue Cat. Slightly yes. different to Halloween or or uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. But this is uh, this is quite an unusual film, and it's from 1972. It so is. Tell, tell me about this film. So it is set in uh, the Magic Garden, obviously, mm-hmm. and in the Magic Garden lives Dougal the dog, and Brian the snail, and Ermintrude the cow, and a host of other um, anthropomorphic animals. Springs. There's even a train that talks. Um, although there's one one nice moment in it when. Um, Dougal tries to talk to an owl and then he says oh don't be silly of course owls can't talk Um, (laughs) nice little bit of uh, yes (laughs) (laughs) so they all live kind of happily doing their thing in the magic garden and then one day a blue cat turns up called Buxton and as soon as he turns up all kinds of things start going wrong Dougal doesn't like him he doesn't like Dougal, but uh, the rest of the characters all really like him. So it's sort of up to Dougal to uncover the truth about Buxton's motives. Mm. And it's also got a character called the Blue Voice, who is voiced, voiced by Fenella Fielding of mm-hmm. Curry on Screaming. And mm-hmm. um, that's the only other thing I know her from. But she's, I think she's in other stuff as well. Yes. Um, yeah. And which was a bit unusual because in all of the other Magic Roundabout things, Eric Thompson had done all of the voices. In this film, he did all the voices except for the blue voice. Um, But no, she's there uh, doing her blue is beautiful, blue is best uh, thing, uh, which is quite effective because she really stands out as being slightly more unnerving. (laughs) 
Yeah, it sounds a little bit sinister, a little bit nightmarish in a way. Oh, it is. There's, I mean, there's there's one scene in it where um, Buxton the cat is he's doing a series of tests to uh, try to become the Blue King. Um, the tests um, include. I don't think this is a spoiler. Um, the tests. Um, he has to name seven different colours of blue, which I I don't know. I think I could pass that, and no mm. one's asked if I want to be the Blue King. But. <laughs> You'd be the Blue Queen as well, wouldn't you? Yeah, doesn't <laughs> really bother me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think the monarchy's a bit outdated. So I think you could be. You could have appointed. Really yes. matter. Yes. But no, there's this one horrible scene uh, where he he's in. He goes into this room full of masks, and they're all saying, "Are you frightened, Buxton?" And they're, they're all these different coloured, like quite psychedelic-looking masks just keep mm. popping out, and it's quite it's quite frightening, especially mm. if you watch mm. it as a child, as I sure. did. <sighs> Yeah, it's. I mean, there's. This is seventy two, so I think psychedelia definitely had an influence on uh, on children's uh, things. As you said, the there's a lot of kind of drug references in the Magic Roundabouts in terms of, you know, people eating sugar cubes and going, you know, tripping and uh, flying around the place. Oh and yeah, and there's. there's- there's Dougal yeah. the Dougal the Stoner Rabbit. Yeah, yeah no, sorry, yeah, not Dougal Dylan. Uh, Dylan, uh, yeah, Dylan the Stoner yeah. Rabbit. That's He's it. named after Bob Dylan. Indeed, who, um, as we know, did like to partake of uh, certain herbs. Yeah. Apparently, so not that yes. I condone anything like that. Although, interest, not. interestingly, um, <laughs> um, I this is just I'm not, you, you might want to cut this out, but um, I I was uh, introduced to the concept of the Magic Roundabout before I'd heard of Bob Dylan. So mm-hmm. when I found out about Bob Dylan I just associated him with uh, Dylan the rabbit even though it was supposed to be the other way around I never quite managed to shake that off okay yes it's magic roundabout says it's a freaky it's a freaky watch it's quite enjoyable for five minutes how did you feel watching it for like an hour and 20 or hour and 30 I I don't remember the first time I saw it mm-hmm. I used to have a kind of really crackly VHS of it um which my dad had to drag this massive horrible tv downstairs for um i don't know if it was a tv or like some kind of vhs player and it just had all of the static and stuff i think it mm-hmm. was a good good few decades old Indeed. i used to watch it on that i don't remember first watching it it's just sort of something that's always been in my life Is that sort of film as a kind of friend in a way or like just a sort of companion is it um, i've got a, I've yeah. got a theory yeah i've got a theory that, uh, that books and films and art i think they're just they're things we go back to see time and time again, um, and you know what you're getting with it. Sometimes if you want to be comforted, you go to certain films or certain books. If you want to be kind of confronted or disturbed, you go to certain films and certain books. Yeah, definitely. Like I, It is something that I've definitely watched when I'm feeling a bit low, mm-hmm. and just because if I'm feeling like any comforting, like you were saying, it's nice to have something quite familiar. Sure, yeah. And it is, you know, does it all end happily? Because, I mean... We talked about this um, this thing about the blue, the blue voice and blue is best. Is there a little bit of sort of is it kind of a bit fascist in some ways? Well, there's lots of different readings of it. Um, yeah. You can look at it as a sort of fa- a fascist analogy. You can look at it as an analogy for religious indoctrination. Mm. Um, my own personal opinion on this, which is not backed up by anyone on Google, so is either original or just wrong, is that it's. It, <laughs> Could be seen as a comment on sort of immigration and how he gets Buxton the cat is seen as a, a just 
terrible figure because they're not used to him and that's why uh-huh. he ends up being the evil one is not that I'm trying to say Eric Thompson was xenophobic because I don't think he particularly was no. but I think that's a reading of it okay unfortunately so it was yeah yeah unfortunately it predates Thatcher a little bit otherwise it would Indeed. have been a great Thatcher analogy I was gonna say and she blue wore voice. blue a lot you know she yeah. she did wear blue an awful lot and yeah blue is best you know no he's not for turning there's no other way there's no alternative yeah yeah interesting okay um right you've convinced me to put it in the front window of the emporium oh I have I great definitely I think it's I think it's a worthy worthy addition I think it's one of those kids films that works on different levels um one of the first podcasts we did was with uh, Raina Dennison and she did a film called The Last Unicorn and again that had some quite adult themes in there for an animation that is kind of aimed at children but at the same time there's you can watch it as an, ad, as an adult and still get a lot from it. And I think, from what you've said of this, I think Doodle and the Blue Cat uh, would certainly uh, be in the same in the same boat. So oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. We, we, will, we will include the film, definitely. Brilliant. Cool. So um, thank you so much for coming along. Thank you so much for talking about, about your taste in films, about directors. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. And, yeah, um, with Doodle and the Blue Cat, it's 1972. Uh, it's probably rentable from, I don't know, uh, uh, your nearest video shop, which could be 20th Century Flicks. It is. I mean, not wherever you are in the country. There's another one in the Wirral, but yeah, anywhere in the south, we're probably your nearest. <laughs> so you know where to go. It's on Christmas Steps. And yes, shameless plugs aside, thank you very much indeed. <laughs> and give us uh, give, my, give my best regards to the team there. And uh, we'll be in I touch will with do. you soon. Yes. Daisy, thank you so much indeed. Good luck with your film studies and uh, take care. Thank you. And that was Daisy Steinhardt from 20th Century Flicks with Dougal and the Blue Cat from 1972. Thank you again so much for listening to Dr Kino's Film Emporium. Uh, we hope to hear from you, or sorry, hope to hear. We hope to um, hope you're listening for the next episode, and uh, which will be next Friday. And yeah, take it easy and enjoy your films. All the best. <laughs>